This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complications. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. G'day, Adam. How are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. How's yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Keeping it real, keeping it locked down. Mm-mm, keeping it down and locked down. No, hopefully that ends for you soon as we hope uh, for everyone else around the country going through lockdown. Thomas, big show coming up. Today on the show, we're going to be asking you a lot of talk about the Doherty Report. Everyone from the PM down is quoting it. What is it? And besides a hell of a lot of paper aeroplanes, what can we make of it? What does it do for a company to make it into the, into a big index? We'll take a look at one such company that has just cracked the NASDAQ 100. And what was the real reason behind the truckies going on strike last week? But first, Thomas, reporting season is winding up. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's a good good round this year. All profits are up. Pretty healthy corporate sector by the sound of things. It's only to the end of the last financial year, so we'll see how they fare into the lockdowns. Mm. Um, but yeah, good results overall. West Farmers had a cracker. Um, the one I caught this week I really liked was Silk Laser Clinics. They do Botox injections and skin skincare treatments. They listed on the ASX last year. That they're in your portfolio, wouldn't they be, Thomas? Yeah. You're all over the skincare Botox products. Yeah, that's a core core in my portfolio. <laughs> Graduated from satellites now. Foundation, eighty <laughs> percent. Graduated from foundation. Brilliant. <laughs> New mascara, right? Yeah. And uh, what what have, what have they been up to? Well, revenue was up eighty two percent, thumping eighty two percent. Eighty two. Eighty two percent revenue in one year. Yeah, and average spend per customer was up twenty eight percent. All right. Yes. Hang on. Everyone's at home, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're saying they're saying they're. I think most of the year they were doing okay with the lockdowns. Um, yeah, they're saying their sales are down thirteen percent the first seven weeks so far, on the back of the lockdown. Twenty percent of their stores are in lockdown right now, but they said demand's booming for their services because the chief executive Martin. Perelman said people were much more conscious of their appearance as they watched themselves close up on a computer screen constantly uh, and wanted to spend more time on personal grooming to look their best. The Zoom face effect was already occurring. It's been accelerating and it ramped up growth. The Zoom, <laughs> Zoom face. The Zoom face. Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, I've, I've got Zoom body, it's fair to say. That's... <laughs> All this time locked up at home, just... I thought that was a dad bod filter you had on you. Oh, no, no, I've, I've graduated way past dad bod. I want to zoom bod. Zoom bod. <laughs> zoom face, eh? So that's a thing now. Mm. That was taken... Good to see that Vanity's made the, tr- the transition online. Oh, yeah, it's gone digital. <laughs> yeah. I was worried that that would be stuck in the physical world, but we've found a way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing. I did know that some people I know went out and bought, like, a 4K camera. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, like a 4K webcam, which is just baffling to me. Like, if it was really worth seeing you more clearly, other people would be buying you 4K cameras. 
you shouldn't. If you're having to buy your own, <laughs> then I think you might have an inflated sense of of maybe how important it is that people can see you up close. Like, I don't know. I I don't want anyone being able to see my face that clearly. Mm. We've already got phrases like "you're on mute" and "can you see my screen." They're already cliche. We we don't need "you've got boogers" as well. Like. <laughs> People just pinging your links for blackhead removal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, there you go. Mm. Well, good luck to, who was it? Silk Laser Clinic. Yeah, Silk Laser Clinics. All right, Thomas, we're moving right along. And I want to ask you about the Doldy Report. Mm. So apparently this thing is the blueprint for getting us all out of lockdowns. Here's New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian last week. As the Doherty Report says, once you get to 80% double doses and you have to open up, everybody's going to have to learn to live with... So everyone's talking about it, Thomas. That was the New South Wales Premier. The Prime Minister's been talking about it. People are obviously quoting it as as the way out. First of all, before we get into the report, what is the Doherty Institute? Yeah, I didn't know this one. I had to look it up. It's actually the Peter Doherty Institute for Infection and Immunity. It's a uh, collaboration between the University of Melbourne and the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Pete Doherty. Yeah, named after Peter Doherty. You know him, do you? Yeah, yeah, he's the front man of the Libertines. <laughs> Not surprising that he would be familiar with infectious diseases, I would say. <laughs> and and actually has done a fair bit of work with models from, from what I understand. So there we go. That's good to see him finally, you know, giving up the uh, the rock and roll lifestyle in favour of uh, yeah, yeah, more dignified pursuits. So I'm not sure I'd trust him to get us out of a lockdown. <laughs> he's, he's spent a fair bit of time in jail, as far as I know. But he's not in there anymore, so he's, he got out. So I'm, I'm all on board Pete Doherty. Yeah, well, Wikipedia said that Peter Doherty was an Aussie champion who won a Nobel Prize in 1996 for discovering how the immune system recognises virus-infected cells, <laughs> but it's probably fake news, so they got it, that wrong. It could probably. be him. It's possible, but I think... My money is still on Pete Doherty, the yeah. rock star. Uh, all right, so the Doherty Institute. So, so they're they're a, were they immune? Um, yeah, infection and immunity specialists. There's like 700 people working for them. So it's a pretty substantial institute. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to everyone tuning in from the Doherty Institute. Mm. A fair chance someone will be listening. So, they're, so they're behind the report. So this is the report. They wrote a report that's getting quoted in all the. Uh, all the papers. Right. So they wrote a report and what was in it? Did you, did you read it? Have you read it? Well, no, I didn't, I didn't read the report. Um, and in fairness, like nobody could read all of it. It's 66 pages. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, couldn't even, I couldn't even make it through the article that you shared with me that talked about the report. <laughs> but I did, I did analyse the report. You'll be glad to know, Thomas. End to end, I've analysed it. 16,751 words and 67 images. Mm. So if you want to know what's in the report, that's what's in there. That's so big, though. I actually plugged it into a a PDF word count tool and it said it was too large. So it couldn't even handle it. That's, That's the kind of report we're dealing with. So to say that I haven't I haven't looked into it, Thomas, would be a mistake. I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't read it either. I, my wife had a thing on and had to look after the kids. But. There were a lot of pictures in it, though, which was which was heartening, or as you call them, charts. charts. <laughs> I like the, the pictures in my book. Yeah, but you know who did read it is Matt Barry, who's the CEO of Freelancer.com, big, uh, you know, darling Aussie tech startup. Um, he read it and he's got a great report. I'll share this on the Instagram, but a, a great report unpacking what's in the, in the, in the modeling. Right. But it's really interesting the way, the way it's presented. And you see this a bit with economic models. So the, so the way it's presented, it sounds like 
the government went to the Doherty Institute and said, what should we do? Just tell us what we should do. And the Doherty Institute mm. came back and said, get to 70 or 80% vaccination rates and then open up. And the police are like, okay, great. Thanks, Doherty. That's what we're going to do. But that, that is, that's not what they did. That's not what happened. What happened was that the government went to the Doherty Institute and said, we want you to model four different scenarios with a 50, 60, 70, and 80% vaccination rate and show us what happens mm. given an, a set of assumptions. And that's it. And so the Doherty, Doherty Institute literally just cranked the numbers right. and, and gave it back to the government. So it's, it's really disingenuous to present it as this medical institute saying, yep, yeah, go for 80%. Then open up, then you'll be right. That's that's not what the report's about at all. So they haven't mapped out the way out. They've just kind of said, based on what you told us, mm. this is what we think yeah, will happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not not this is how you get out of this situation. No, no. Which seems to be a lot of. I mean, we heard from Gladys Berejiklian mm. there. She said, she she said once we hit eighty percent and can open yeah, up. Yeah, no, that's that's not that's not necessarily the, the Doherty. Institute doesn't not say that, right. but it just doesn't say it. Like it's, it was literally just taking the instructions. There's four phases in the opening up plan, but that they came from the government and that the institute just modelled the numbers on it. The other thing, the other thing that's really interesting that that Matt Barry pulls out is it's a great article. It's worth reading. It's very long. Unfortunately, mm. you probably won't get through it, but um, <laughs> but he's looking at at the the assumptions that that go into the model, and they're kind of borderline ridiculous. So what are we talking about? What, what were the assumptions that they were asked to model? Well, first is not an assumption, but they just said just model 180 days. Do 180 days and then stop. And so you have these charts, and I'll share this on Instagram too, but these charts with like caseloads starting to tick up towards the end of 180 days and then the chart just stopping. And, mm. and he's saying like all the totals there of the total number of deaths under, under each scenario, total number of cases are just garbage because you're just you're clipping the, the sample period at 180 days for no particular reason. Right, six months. Six, six months. months. We like, if I've learned anything on our recent podcast, Thomas, it's economists like round numbers. Yeah, but in this case, it's like, well, whatever. But there's a couple of other assumptions. So the other assumption is that they assume that Australia has unlimited ICU capacity. Right, intensive care units. Intensive care units, yep. So whatever demand there is for ICUs, that demand will be met somehow. But that's not... That we haven't. No, it's, that doesn't seem doesn't seem realistic. Yeah, you can't just roll out ICU beds like you got to need. Like there's a lot of staffing that's required for each bed. Yeah. Mm. So and saying like Graddon has a, had a number saying that it, uh, at twelve thousand cases a day we hit ICU capacity. Like we're maxed out at twelve thousand. In the Doherty modelling, in the best case scenario, we're looking at a peaking at fifty five thousand cases a day, and it could even get up to one hundred and twenty thousand cases a day. So, wow. so like we're, we're, we're blowing ICU capacity right out of the water, but the modelling assumes that we have unlimited capacity because that's what the government asked yeah, the, right. the Doherty Institute to model. So did the government say, like, don't worry, we'll find the capacity if we need it? Kind of, yeah. Did they? Cause, so they're, they're, they're immunity and um, yeah, experts, right? So they, they model the way diseases spread, but they need assumptions to work into that about the way society's working at the time. And they can't come up with that because that's not that's not their role. That's not policy. So they they've got to take that from the government, saying, "Well, what's going to happen with ICU beds?" And the government says, "Well, let's right. assume this, and that's what you get." So the other the other thing, there's a list here. So they assume perfect yeah, TTIQ. So was it uh, Trace and 
uh, isolate and quarantine. And they're saying that we, they do it perfectly. And, that, and they're saying this was based on the Victorian public's health response at the height of the second wave in 2020. But in that, in that instance, cases were peaking at 700 a day, nowhere near um, the 55,000 we're looking at in Doherty and saying like... Yeah, right. So that can't... Yeah, that won't scale. Obviously. Won't scale, that's right. And so in New South Wales, the tracing seems to tap out at 200 cases. Once you get beyond 200 cases, then the New South Wales system just can't, can't track it anymore. They just become, yeah, just out of the, out of the box. And, the, and quarantine as well. So, so far, you know, quarantine's been a bit of a mess. So... So that's mm. that's assumed to be perfect as well. So all this is still going on, but that's that's a pretty questionable assumption. Yeah, yeah but the big one is that Doherty assumes that vaccines are incredibly effective, that they reduce transmissibility by 90% with double doses of the vaccine. But the international evidence we've got for that says that that's a very high effectiveness rate. Like that's That just doesn't seem realistic. Mm. And then, so I don't think this is on Doherty. Like I don't like they just they're just taking the assumptions that they're giving they're given. And this is kind of the way modeling works, economic modeling and health modeling is you take it from the government. The government sort of there's a couple of interpretations. One is it's a bit incompetent. The other is it's a bit sinister. And that they want to they want to report they want to report that they can point to and says this is this is how we open up. And we've, we've got the, this medical agency's imprimatur on it that they've signed off on it and it's all good. It's not on us. We're just following the best, best health advice. But mm. I mean, they need something. Like they need, you know, the, the, the government has gone to seek the, the advice. Mm. You know, they, they've gone to the, the Doherty Institute with presumably, well, you would hope, obviously, the, the best information they have around the assumptions of what, what, what we can, what we know. So yeah, I don't know, but they're not, but they're not realistic assumptions. So they, they, it seems this is what Matt Barry's saying: the assumptions seem gamed in order to give you the conclusion that at eighty percent vaccination rates, you, it's safe to open up. Is Matt Barry suggesting that? So they've just made them up. They already had they already had an outcome in mind, and they work back from there. That's what that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. It's concerning. Yeah. <laughs> not going to lie. No. <laughs> no, but this is, the, I mean, I'm not, I'm far from a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but this sounds like a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, it, I think it is, or he calls it the great quote here, abdication of leadership to reliance on a modeled scenario is simply a way to blame someone else if it all goes pear shaped mm. with the Doherty Institute appearing all too happy to play along with either because it's captured, it's a captured entity or it doesn't see what's, what's coming. And so it's like, yeah, they're, they're set up to take the fall. So in like in, in 180 days, when it's the health system's in total collapse, the politicians can say, oh, well, we were following the advice. You know, we're doing, the Doherty Institute said we could do it. And it's like, well, no, the Doherty Institute didn't say that. That wasn't the question. You didn't ask, what should we do? You asked, what does it look like if we do this, assuming all of this crazy stuff? And then you got that result. Mm. So... Yeah, I don't know. Or the Doherty Institute might then pull out the charts that they made that ended at 180 days and just say, we told you this was the end, (laughs) (laughs) where it all falls off a cliff. (laughs) You didn't notice this little mark that we put right over here at the very bottom, back at the bottom of the chart again. This is where we are now in this total mess. Yeah, Yeah, we just model it 180 days is the end of civilization. (laughs) Could be. I mean, while we're while we're drumming up conspiracy theories and predicting the end of the world, then maybe maybe the Doherty Institute's just one step ahead. Mm. That could be how some people interpret the report. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Some people may say 
the Doherty Institute has predicted the end of the world in 180 <laughs> days. Boom. There's a, there, there's uh, a hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a long oh, hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag end of the world in 180 days. <laughs> All right, let's pause there, grab a breath, uh, and we'll be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. And you can, you can find all of those charts and pictures and reports and things that Thomas was talking about before on our Instagram at CVE Podcast or on Facebook at CVE Podcast or send us an email, cvepodcast at equitymates.com or on the website, equitymates.com forward slash CVE. Thomas, I wanted to ask you about CrowdStrike, mm. which is a cybersecurity company. Their stock price jumped 8% in one day last mm. week when they were added to the NASDAQ 100, which is the technology stocks index in mm. the States. Why would them being added to the NASDAQ 100 increase their share price so sharply? Yeah, yeah it was a big pop, 8% on the day, 17% by the end of the week, so a big jump for getting added to the, the NASDAQ. I can't – I can talk about – there's something called the membership effect. I don't know so much about CrowdStrike. It's probably more your wheelhouse. Um, well, so what CrowdStrike is, they're a, um, they're a cybersecurity company, as I mentioned. So a lot of people would be familiar with antivirus, so you always had to run antivirus – on your computer, uh, CrowdStrike kind of take that um, next level. They offer um, endpoint protection primarily, as long as as well as some other stuff. So, antivirus has kind of grown now from it used to be what we call like signature based. So, it'd be like you know, here's a picture of a of a rat. If you see that rat, then then jump on it. Um, and now it's all kind of you know um, detecting anomalous user behaviour. You know, using AI and machine learning and all those those. Uh, buzzwords that you hear around. So um, CrowdStrike are very much a leader in that space. So very much a leader in that in that endpoint protection. Also a sponsor of the Mercedes-Benz F1 team, wow. which is interesting. And actually, the, this is a partnership that I love. They're also the sponsor of the Formula One safety car, <laughs> which if you're a company that's claiming that you keep people oh, safe, yeah. then what better affiliation than with the Formula One oh. safety car? Little tagline: CrowdStrike, the safety car of the internet. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what CrowdStrike does. So they're they're pretty pretty big. But I was, yeah, I mean, I was just fascinated at the fact that seemingly nothing changed mm-hmm. about the company, right? So in that on that day, they didn't release earnings. They didn't release any new products. They didn't kind of 
there was not there was no big launch that that they announced no no acquisitions or anything going on and seemingly all that happened was they moved into the Nasdaq 100 mm, index mm. and their share price jumped 8% and then as you said by the end of the week it went up another 6.5% on on top of that and so you know, you're looking nearly 15% increase in one week for seemingly doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's something, it's called the membership effect. So they got added to the NASDAQ 100 and there's a lot of mm. ETFs now that track different indices and NASDAQ 100 being one of them. So what happens is when it gets added right. to the to the index, all those funds, that you, the ETF funds now have to buy CrowdStrike and put it in their portfolio to keep tracking the index. Yeah, right. So suddenly there's just a yep. big, big, big demand for it. And I don't think this one... So norm, normally the NASDAQ 100 gets rebalanced every year on the 3rd of December. No, sorry, 3rd Friday in December gets gets rebalanced. Right. But it can get rebalanced on the fly if someone comes out of it. Either they there's these continued eligibility criteria, so they've got to be a particular size and they've got to have positive revenue and things. Um, so if they fail that, then they can get struck out of the index. Or if they can get acquired... Uh, if a company in the index gets acquired and effectively stops being an independent company, disappears, yeah, disappears. then that opens up a, a hole in the a gap in the one hundred that someone else can fill, and that's and that's what happened this time round. So, right, yeah, Maxim Integrated Products was acquired by the semiconductor giant Analog Devices. It seems to go against their philosophy. <laughs> analog devices. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't say. F- <laughs> they make yeah, semiconductors. It doesn't say future, does it? Kind of sounds like they're acquired by a museum. Specialising yeah. in NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So 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 they acquired Maxim, and then that that freed up a spot and struck. Strike struck. Right in. They jumped into the the top one hundred. So here's a here's a play. Why don't we just buy into the the stocks that are like 101 to 105. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a good idea too. But I looked into that. So NASDAQ itself has done some um, analysis of this and saying the average market-adjusted return was just over 1% for, for, people being at, for companies being added to the NASDAQ. So not a not a huge jump. So nah, it's not enough to get in my portfolio. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not aiming for one percent. Point zero one baggers. I, I should. I would be happy with one percent historically, <laughs> in hindsight. But it's never where I'm aiming. Yeah. So CrowdStrike's results are, are unusual in that in the scheme of things. Um, the other thing Nasdaq says is that only sixty four percent of new additions increase on the first day after announcement. So thirty six four, yeah. So even though the average is over one percent, is positive. Thirty six percent fall after being added. Well, do we know why they? If, if there's a membership mm. effect, can it work both ways? Not in theory, no, no. Just, is that, do they membership. charge membership fees in the Nasdaq one hundred? They've got grounds to maintain. You're not, you're not paid up. Some of the smaller ones are like, oh, man, where have we got enough money for the membership fees? Shareholders won't be happy. No. Yeah, no, I don't know. Who knows? Markets do funny things. There's no theoretical reason for that yeah. that I'm aware of. But yeah, but it doesn't seem that the membership effect is consistent or consistently large. So crowds just struck lucky. Yeah, right. Oh, there you go. 
Well, speaking of strikes, uh, the what a segue. Speaking of strikes, the truckies were on strike last week. Thomas, uh, what was all that about? Yeah, this was an interesting one. So, seven thousand truckies and distribution workers at Toll. Uh, went on strike on Friday. It was interesting because I saw a lot of things on my feed saying that the truckies were striking against the injustice of lockdown, uh, but that's not the case. That wasn't why they were striking. Um, they were striking for uh, job security, which seems seems to be the key sticking point. Yeah, saying that the toll is trying to sort of push them onto sort of more insecure contracts, use more contract workers. Yeah, and they wanted to push back on that. I think they were also saying that the contract workers weren't getting paid at the same rate or they're getting paid less or something. Did I read that somewhere? Yeah, that's they wanted a condition that any contract workers were getting paid the same as a full-time worker right. and that, that seemed to be a bit of a sticking point. Yeah, so yeah, they're, they're fighting what they're calling the, um, the Amazon effect. So the, the, um, Poor Amazon, they get blamed for everything. <laughs> Yeah, they they do do a lot of stuff though. To be fair, man, they pretty they pretty much just monster any industry they go into. So Amazon Amazon opened up with a massive flex last year with Amazon Flex. Oh yeah, um, yeah, quietly launched in twenty twenty. But basically, it's just Uber for parcel deliveries. Right. So yeah, you can go with your own car, join the app, and then go to the distribution center, pick up a bunch of parcels, follow the designated route that Amazon gives you on the app and deliver all the parcels in your car, in your sedan. They don't, they don't accept vans for some reason. What? I don't know why. Yeah, you can't, can't bring a van. It's got to be a sedan. <laughs> they're just, they're taking pictures. the piss, aren't they? <laughs> no, no vans. That's too easy. I don't, yeah, I feel like there must be like dancing around some legal line in the sand about employing someone with a van. Maybe I don't bring a trailer. No, no trailers. No, that's cheating. No Utes. They don't no allow Utes. Utes. That rules out half of Australia. No Utes. No Utes. No SUVs. Really? Oh, no. Yeah, it's 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 weird. You got all these pictures of like people driving around like with their back seat just stuffed full of parcels. They can't even see out the back window. Are you laughing at my small size car? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that Simpsons episode? Uh, yeah, so so they're saying that this is yeah, like there's a there's a move in the industry towards contracting and insecure work. And the mm. transport workers union's taking a stand with toll to sort of push back against this sort of contracting. And in, in, interestingly, Toll's not really contesting the the claim. So the head of their global uh, Australia's operations, Alan Alan Beecham, says the industrial action needs to stop, and the TWU needs to support the large transport operators like Toll to compete with the mid and third tier companies who have lower rates and lower conditions. So by third tier, I think he means Amazon. Probably, I think you'd describe Amazon as a third tier company. Third tier, Amazon's not third tier. <laughs> I don't know what he means there. Yeah. No, no, but don't, no, the third tier, wouldn't that be, isn't he talking about third tier transportation companies? Like, I don't know who, like some of the smaller parcel ones, like oh. probably, you know, I don't know what they're called, like Parcels Express or something might be one. Jim, might, Jim's Parcels? Jim's <laughs> Parcels, those kind of lower tier, second division playing sort of parcel delivery services. 
like presumably maybe they're they're more nimble, more agile. They can pay. I don't know. Maybe they pay a little bit less. Yeah, I don't know. But that's what he's saying. So he's not disputing that the the there's a rise and a push to sort of con- more contract and insecure work. But he's saying instead of attacking mm. toll at the top of the sector, why aren't the TW going after the bottom of the sector to raise standards there? That is where the real change needs to take place. So he's not disputing that change needs to take place. He's just saying it's not a toll. Right. Yeah, and he's saying, and, he, yeah, and sort of the argument he's, he's making is that they, they're picking on the TWs targeting toll because they're the big fish in the pond in terms of d- distribution and trucking. Um, and that if they, if they get a win there, then that sets a pre- precedent for the whole industry. I was talking to Dad about this actually, and that's what that's what he was saying. Yeah, so that's but that's what the that's what the strike wow. was about. So fighting the Uberization of trucking. I just hope Amazon come out of it all right because, <laughs> you know, look, if we don't look at other options for delivering Amazon parcels, like you know, ripping off delivery drivers and paying warehouse workers less than the minimum wage, then how can we afford Jeff Bezos to fly to outer space briefly? Yeah, that's <laughs> I think that's what's at stake here, Thomas. We can't. Yeah. Bezos can't fly into space for 10 minutes and fly back again if people don't just pony up a little bit of support for him. So I think that's we need to keep our eye on the big picture here. They're, they're getting $107 for a four-hour block using using their own car. <laughs> it's, it's kind of outrageous. That's, that's, that's still longer than Bezos was in space for, yeah. I think. <laughs> at, at a cost of $48 billion or whatever. <laughs> Whatever it was. Uh, for what it's worth, my support goes to the, the unions on this one. I'm not known for supporting the unions, yeah, but in this instance, I think they're on the money. They're all right. All right, good luck out there. Uh, look, that does us for this week. Uh, we do really appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget, you can send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at CVE Podcast. Don't forget also to check out all the other great shows happening across Equity Mates Media. Get started investing. You're in good company. Equity Mates Investing Podcast. Lots to get get into. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. We do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again next time. See you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.